content warning. This episode contains discussion of creepy crawly things such as giant centipedes and bodily decay. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome everyone to Pem Pem Pals for another episode covering the enemies of Sekiro. I'm Alex and I've got my co-host here with me. Introduce yourself, Mimi. Ohayou gozaimasu <laughs> It's uh it's Mimi again. Uh, who's a Sekiro lore adept, uh, a master baker, just just an all-around uh, knowledgeable and useful gal. I'm trying. Uh, and today, we are going to talk about maybe the no- the most nefarious, definitely the most disgusting place uh, in Sekiro. We're going to talk about Sempo Temple. Definitely the most disturbing in terms of visual storytelling and what you learn over the, the course of going through it. It's unsettling. It's a gorgeous location, though. It's got mm-hmm. one of those E3 pans when you uh, when you pull up to it for the first time. It's a beautiful place. It's based on a real um, temple in Japan, Kiyomizu-dera, which actually is funny because that's a... Um, Kiyomizu-dera mm-hmm. means, I think, like, pure water. Oh. Temple, pure water temple. Something like that. It's, it's, a, it's a water... I was going to say it's a water-themed temple, which is... This isn't the Legend of Zelda. So, <laughs> yeah, no, it's based on a real place, Kiyomizudera, that if you look up photos of it, it'll look very familiar. But it is it is a gorgeous locale, but it's mm-hmm. it's a little upsetting. Oh, yeah, it's very upsetting. It's a great allegory for, uh, I guess, religion and, like, secret societies because the outward-facing part of it is very well-kept. It looks like a normal monastery but as you get in you find like the unkept parts of it and the well-kept secrets yes uh so when we get here it's uh uh, we've talked about this before but each of the areas represents a season right right this is this is autumn this is autumn okay yeah it's got all of these gorgeous uh just foliage like Everywhere you go, the ground texture looks so good because it's leaves everywhere. It's all these beautiful yellow and orange and red fall leaves, which uh, the only other time in the game you see something like that is the opening cinema. But I don't think there's anything tying the two together. No. And the fall aspect of Senpo is kind of like so later on in the game, we get the spring themed place, which is uh, Fountainhead. But it's kind of like fall is a great representation of being stuck between life and death mm. because, you know, things are transitioning and technically the, the, the leaves are dead when they're turning that color. They're, they're, they're racing towards death, but they stay on the tree. So it's just mm-hmm. kind of stuck between life and death. That speaks to the themes of that area. Oh, yeah. The theming here up and down is just wonderful. Yes. Agreed. All of the enemies, I mean, yes, the the locale tells a great story, but the enemies interplay with the locale very well. Uh, so I'm really excited today to be talking about this stuff. Um, yeah, any any more overview stuff, or should we just dive into some of these dastardly monks? Um, I would say with overview stuff, just keep in mind that this is like almost purely a Buddhist temple. Mm. There aren't too many references to uh, Shintoism even though it's usually blended pretty well together. I would say for the most part, there is like hints of Shintoism, but Buddhism as a whole is the the main theme. And we all know that the main purpose of Buddhism is to achieve enlightenment through typically asceticism. 
and giving up earthly possessions, earthly ties, um, and letting go. If if you were going to be kind of on the negative side, be like letting go of your humanity. Mm. Um, keep in mind when you see certain, like if you see a statue, if you see certain monuments or things that look vaguely important religious wise, it's it's a Buddhist, it's a Buddhist thing. But the main theming of Sempo is not only stuff between life and death, but being unable to let go of of life and immortal once again immortality as a negative thing so mm-hmm. that's 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 the best thing to uh ponder on before we dive in there uh and just to keep in mind yeah because it's definitely like especially the uh the the desiccated monks the infested seekers we're going to talk about there isn't like a celebration of life they're not like happy to be alive and so they're clawing to like enjoy every moment i feel like it's more those in power refusing to give up their privilege because like these these monks will do anything to stay alive but like what does staying alive even mean for them yeah good good setup thank you mimi that's why you're on here god <laughs> damn it okay so uh the first thing we encounter is of course monks we're going we're going to see monks up and down this fucking place uh but the first thing we can encounter if we well, first we talk to the divine child's disembodied voice coming out of a Buddha wall poster, which is kind of cool. But um, if we jump down to the right, uh, in addition to finding Kintaro, what is his name again? Um, Kotaro. Kotaro. Kintaro is, is that from Mortal Kombat? Yep, that's from Mortal Kombat. Wait a minute. Isn't that the name of Berserks? Isn't that the name of the artist? Isn't that the name of the creator of Berserk? Kintaro Miura? Oh, maybe. Uh, it may have something to do with tigers. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's Kentaro Miura. May, may, may God rest his soul. Uh, well, anyways, we can find uh, uh, Kota- Kotaro, but we can also find uh, a fisty monk. Uh, 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 uh. Don't say it like that. <laughs> oh, my God. You can't say that on, on live television. <laughs> the FCC. The you FCC mean a hit? You is going to come after me. Oh, my God. Now, to be fair, in the official guy, it does say seeker, and in parentheses, fists. Not one fist. Yeah, we can't be mature here. No. Yeah, the fist, not. the fisting seeker. The fisting seeker. <laughs> uh, these guys are kind of fascinating because I expected them not to be able to block when I first found them, and yet they can even. Well, I guess they can't really deflect, but they can. They can't really block, but they can deflect. And I was just amazed. I was like, yeah, okay. If you had the right training and the right timing, you could technically push a blade aside. They're super cool because they're just like great hand-to-hand combat artists. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. And I think that's very, I think that really shows to like how, you know, everything in Ashin is dangerous. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So what really gets me is that like a lot of people view monks as like peaceful and nonviolent and to be fair a lot of them are but warrior monks specifically in japan were already part of the culture for like oh god probably like almost a thousand years by then Mm. no no not not necessarily a thousand years but we're we're getting close to it because buddhism didn't come to japan until i think like fifth or sixth century something like that but warrior monks have been have played a part in japanese history for probably about 500 years. They're pretty, they're pretty important. So watching dudes literally, 
you know, because you're like, oh, he's unarmed, and then you attack him and he blocks it. It's like, ooh, okay. <laughs> You're still not technically very powerful. Like you can, you know, as soon as you get the jump on them, they go down in just like a few hits. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think they definitely throw you for a loop the first time you fight them. Yeah, tell me about. Uh, uh, maybe we talked about it a little bit in another episode, but tell me a little about this uh, this history of warrior monks because. Like you said, uh, a lot of people, especially in a Western audience, would would think monk and they would think like friars, you know, like men in robes doing charity work and brewing beer off in, you know, a, a distant monastery. But these guys are more like the Crusaders. They're more like Templar in that they uh, they have a religious practice that guides their life, but they also train themselves for combat. Yeah, they're called Sohei. Okay. They actually hold a lot of power in Japan. They will join wars if they really, if it comes down to it. And they actually have a lot of them have schools of combat. I, I, I once again have to recommend, recommend Vagabond. So in one of the first kind of quote unquote, no, like this, I think it's actually the second one, second or third, like arcs of the manga, there is an actual very famous temple uh, called Hozuin and it founded a school of combat called Hozuinryu in the mid-16th century. Um, and a lot of different styles of fighting and martial arts actually came from uh, warrior monks. Mm. Um, but they have first appeared during the Heian period, which is, I think that's like 8th century to 12th century. Okay. Because they actually needed to defend their temples from different subsects, politics, it was a very like tumultuous time for temples. So they really, really um, banded together to become these incredible fighting forces. Mm. The first armed conflict between monks and the government, it was actually like a protest. They, they fought. It wasn't like a real, it was more like kind of like, it wasn't really a, like a real big uh, battle. It was just like some dudes beating each other up. But I think the big one, and this one, you, I think you can hear about it in the in the Heike. I think it's Eniyakuji and another another shrine. Uh, Eniyakuji, actually, I think that was the first standing army of warrior monks. So mm. they were like technically their own little armies, but they're they're just interesting because they've got a lot of history behind them, and they've obvious they had obviously developed to a certain point where, like, I mean, literally all of Senpo can beat the shit out of you. Like they're all they're all ass kickers there. Mm. In terms of the Sengoku period, there are so many like there's so many conflicts between the forces. I think Oda Nobunaga might have pissed someone off. Yeah, I think it was Eniyakuji again. I think Eniyakuji again got mad and they ended up getting almost wiped out. That was a really, really important part of the times the 16th and 17th century which is kind of the i i always kind of pin sekido as like the very very early 17th century and the very very late 16th century in terms of their weapons they used a lot of spears naginatas were very very popular with warrior monks naginatas are either associated with like women because like it's considered like a woman's weapon Hmm. or um, you'd have Naginatas wielded by warrior monks. They're very, very famous for their use of spears. Oh, also their um, bows, bow and arrows. 
Mm. They're good with bows and arrows. Which makes sense because, like, uh, at least here, we don't find any armored monks. So, like, you would want weapons that keep the enemy away from Yeah, you, you know, and, and to be honest, like, it wasn't very common for warrior monks to wear any armor. Mm. So it tracks Probably up. expensive stuff, right? Yeah. And, you know, if they were, like, trying to be true to Buddhism and asceticism, it'd be like, you know, you know, travel light and, mm. uh, you know, don't wear a whole lot. But... Yeah, no, they um they have a long history. So warrior monks specifically, so probably about like what's half of a what's half of a millennia? So yeah, like over half of a millennia. There oh yeah, five centuries, yeah. five hundred years. That's a long time. Yes. Uh, have you ever spent five hundred years doing something? I certainly have not. Yeah, me neither. Okay, so it sounds like the the martial practice or the the warrior monk motif developed out of a. Uh, self-preservation out of necessity. Yeah, and they they also have like in the temple arts that you learn throughout the game. Mm-hmm. It it's just so funny because it says um, for like the Sempo leaping kicks. It says according to their practices, mastery the leaping kick proves one has attained true enlightenment. First kick only then can training begin. Begin, <laughs> and it also says that like high monk doesn't actually have like a form. You just like go with the flow. Oh, and without strength, one cannot defeat the enemies of the Buddha. The monks keep these words firm on their closed lips as they pray, strike and accumulate virtuous deeds. And this is about praying strikes exorcism. Senpo monks once used this technique as a means of purging themselves of worldly desires. Other foul passions, however, dot, dot, dot. Because technically, like immortality is otherworldly. It doesn't count. (laughs) Which one is high monk? Is that the uh, overhead like slam kick? That's that's the really yeah. That's the overhead slam kick followed by like um, you're using your sword and then another kick. So it's it's the one that kind of flows together really well. Oh right, okay. Uh, which is cool because that's kind of you know you're a warrior, they're monks. High monk is the fusing of warrior and monk. Yes, that's a lot of that's a lot of info. <laughs> yeah. So so just like uh, the real world warrior monks these monks probably at some point developed these martial traditions out of necessity but when they became an established power had their own temple had their own riches that belonged to you know the sect as a whole that's when the perversion started because now they they no longer were just fighting to survive and keep their way of life going now they're an established power and they can fight for their interests rather than pure survival. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so they have a relationship with, with Genichiro. Genichiro has been uh, uh, conscripting their some of their people to fight for him. And I think that's mostly the assassins? Yes. Uh, and we're not sure. Some of the tarot troop may, in fact, be from here and be on loan from uh, 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 Senpo. Yep. Okay, but uh, yeah, uh, also uh, next to that first two hands monk, we can also encounter our first assassin for the area, which is part of like a little side quest. You're supposed to puppeteer him and he puts up a kite and you talk to Badger and this is a good time to talk about Badger, isn't it? Uh, yeah, we could talk about Badger. The, ne- the New York man living in Japan. <sighs> told those morons to give it a rest. But they don't. They just keep sending more. Such a pain in my... 
You one of them nightjar cronies? Yeah, tell me about the coolest short guy in the whole game. Yeah, Black Hat Badger is, uh, you know, you meet him in Ashina Castle and he's mm-hmm. like, people are after me, but here, you buy my shit. Um, <laughs> so I can um, fund my own. <laughs> yes, he he's cool. His English voice actor took a very... It took a very Jersey Brook or Brooklyn approach to how they voiced him. I'm Badger. I got a kid. Yeah, I got a. Uh, it's for my kid. It's like, <laughs> can relate. He doesn't like Ashina or um, Senpo. Like he's mm-hmm. kind of a a lone wolf, if you would. Oh, um, kindred spirit. Yes. Um, he gives you a few things. He has the anti air death blow text. Which is a great move. God, it makes some things, especially the Shichi men, like yeah. so much easier. A technique which serves the shinobi who is not bound by the earth in battle. Yeah, they're great. No, it's a it's a great tool. Um, he also gives you the prototype umbrella. Mm. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you can buy the the prototype umbrella from him, which is similar in construction to. The wide-brimmed hats that are, what do you call it, that are worn by some of the assassins, including Badger. Yes, Iron Fortress. <laughs> I think that's a great name for it. Um, he also has bite downs, uh, which makes sense because he's a shinobi. So that that your little you, you know, your little cyanide capsules. Um, and he has Yashariku sugar. Which is the advanced high risk, high reward sugar, right? Yes, it is. Oh, I love using it, but it's uh it, it will beat you into the ground if you don't use it properly. I like using it to try to get through the gauntlet of strength, but it makes it so that everything is a one hit. So like you can deal a lot more damage, but also don't let them touch you. And I so the the cool description for Iron Fortress is an iron fan made in the far west. Okay. Passed down through generations of assassins serving Sempo Temple. It wouldn't be surprising if the next owner decided its weight was impractical. So it's heavy. It's a heavy, mm. it's technically like a heavy weapon, but it's technically like two sets of fans. Oh, that you spread in a circular pattern. Oh, okay. Yes. It, it's got a bunch of cool upgrades. Um, including ones that can help you against like terror and uh, fire. Mm-hmm. Anyways, he is hanging out in the old grave area where he's in a house. He sells you things. And then once you buy a certain amount of things, you'll meet him again mm-hmm. in Senpo if you do his quest correctly. Um, and this is after you get the puppet ninjutsu. Yeah, let's just pretend we have the puppet ninjutsu. Yeah, let's just pretend we have the puppet ninjutsu. But anyways, you'll use the puppet ninjutsu on this assassin, which is, you know, essentially like every other assassin mm-hmm. who will raise this kite that he's overlooking and keep it raised for you so that you can take it across to like essentially a set of graves. Mm-hmm. Were there any graves at Senpo? I don't think there's any actual graves. And I think that's what makes this unique. There yeah. are the pinwheels, which represent the memorials, the kids. Yeah. And I yeah, think but the, there's the actual some graves are across yeah. the way. Yes. Which is probably like, I wonder if that's them saying like, we don't even want to be associated with death. Like we yes. don't want to, we want that in our, in our vicinity. So you'll meet back black hat again at this like great, this weird gravesite area. And he'll talk about this offering um, that he's giving for his kid. This, it's uh, it belongs to my kid. He and he thanks you for the help because without using the um, that was the only way for him to get over to those graves. So mm-hmm. 
it's essentially implied that he was working for Sempo and something happened to his family where his children were affected mm-hmm. and they died. So that's why he doesn't work for Sempo anymore because of that. I mean, we can talk about his quest a little further once we hit the final area. So okay, that's him in a nutshell. Um, he's a cool dude. He's a little sour. He's a little salty sea dog, but he uh, he's helpful, and you get a lot of good stuff from him. So so the this area is peopled with those uh, those Sempo assassins, the short guys. Uh, but he is the most important and most interesting of them, and the only friendly one we find in the whole game. Yes, everyone else is trying to kill him. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they send like assassins after him as well, but I'm assuming he's a pretty good fighter because uh, he's not dead yet. So he's very sneaky and he has an impenetrable hat. So yes, it keeps him alive for a long time. Uh, okay, cool. So as we continue up the path uh, towards the temple proper, we can also find uh, among the 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 barehanded uh, monks. We can also find. Uh, bow staff monks, which are interesting because they use thrust attacks, which is totally th- that's real. Like, of course, you can thrust with your your bow staff, but because it's not a bladed weapon, I just never expected them to use thrust. So I was always surprised when they hit me with it. Um, yes, the bow staff is called a shakujo. Okay, it's considered one of the eighteen requisite possessions of a Buddhist cleric so it's one of those things where you need to if you want to be a a monk you got to have one in your possession oh my gosh do you have a list can we count them down i'm literally going to things a buddhist yes 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 i'm looking i'm looking the bhikkhus belongings hold on hold on on. what's this obligatory thing the obligatory things the authorized things bowl double robe upper robe lower robe belt sewing needle razor water okay this is just like shit they're allowed to have okay I have some of those. I have no robes, though, and three of those were robes. I'm pretty sure Biku means uh, is like a monk because like um, Yano Bikuni is the name of the the corrupted monk. Mm. What are the eight requisites? Atapakara allowing the monastic include three yellow, orange or ochre robes, an alms bowl, a razor, shave the head, a needle for mending clothes, a water strainer and a cloth girdle. Cloth girdle. Is that yes. just like a, a sash that you can store things in and carry them around? Yeah, it's the. I'm pretty sure it's the one that uh, holds up all your shit. <laughs> mm, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, the bowl. The bowl is the big one because that's that's a that's a big Buddhist symbol. That's a like that. You know, Buddha had one himself, so that's one of those things. Mm. Yeah, so it's just shit you got to have to be a Buddhist. And the and the staff um, is one of them. Yeah, shak- shakujo. No, is the staff, the shakujo, is it traditionally used as a weapon? Or no, as- <laughs> it is not. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's for it's for begging for alms or if you're on a p- pilgrimage, um, the jangling sounds of the metal rings of the staff hits the ground, ward off snakes or animals and are thought to shake off the pr- practitioner's worldly illusions and accelerate Buddhist awakening. Mm. That makes sense. That's interesting that as as you walk, you can use it as like kind of a rhythm for yourself, almost a soundtrack, uh, an ohm soundtrack for your life. Yeah, you can you can see them in a lot of like if you watch pieces of like Buddhist rituals, like especially if they're doing it publicly, you'll see it. You'll see it a lot. Um, It has a very, very interesting. OK, listen to me on this one. Um, okay. It is not typically used as a weapon, but I can think of another game that they use <laughs> as a weapon. Uh, Fatal Frame 2. 
um, you know, that deals with ghosts and uh, the monks, the the priests have these staffs mm-hmm. um, and they'll hit you with it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's not supposed to be used as a <laughs> it's not supposed to be used as a weapon. But, you know, I've definitely seen it be used as a weapon multiple yeah. times. And it's another one of those like, you know, if there were laws about like you know, only certain classes could carry swords or certain types of weapons. And if you had one, you were kind of fair game for people to attack or challenge you or something like that. But a a staff, you could probably, it was kind of in that in-between stage. You're like, yes, someone could be trained to use this as a weapon, but you can't call someone out just for having one. Yeah, you know, especially in later years after this and Goku period, it's like you can't like just have weapons. Mm. Um, so you remember we talked about the Komuso with their their Shakuhachi mm-hmm. uh, flute uh, weapon that had the sword hidden inside it. Mm-hmm. I think it was still technically allowed, um, but they might not have been able to use spear spears. Mm. So <laughs> I'm sure they're just very adept in using long extended weapons, but it, it's a holy object. So it's like they're technically it's basically like beating the shit out of you with a Bible. <laughs> or a cross you know it's like a cross <laughs> yeah it's like beating the shit out of you with a cross just imagining a catholic priest taking the big cross with the jesus on it down from the wall and just yep. fending off intruders. wow trigon looks trigon looks great <laughs> <laughs> god what is that guy's name wolfgang or something yeah. the one who uses a cross yeah fa- yeah that's Wolfwood. something like that i yes, never Wolfwood. actually watched it but i do remember the cross that is yes, a thousand Yes, the big guns. cross gun. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay. Uh, and so their garb is pretty standardized. Uh, it's all this kind of beautiful orange uh, fabric. And that obviously plays into the autumn motif that we have going here. Um, is there anything uh, particular about their uh, uh, robes? Or is that pretty typical standard monk yeah it's it's standard um there are parts of it that are like very poor of cloth you know color wise it's pretty vibrant but in Mm. terms of materials kind of falling apart i i would like to note something about the monk's appearance itself their their skin's very gray green they they appear to be blind either that or just like that's just how they be because of all the shit they've been doing because their their eyes are milky white um, all of them like just the yeah regular... every single one no every wow. single one has white eyes interesting separating them from ashina because ashina is known for sharp eyesight yes and it, it definitely points to like a blindness to their own f- creations right um and how it's technically hurting them in the end they, they've atrophied for sure like if you look uh, you know i know they're almost covered head to toe but you can see that they're sickly and some of them even have like pieces of like it's not like real. It doesn't look really, really rotted, but like you can tell their their bodies are starting to go. In FromSoft games, that always points to like undead. You know, like that that is an undead person, and they might not even be in their right minds. Because I always kind of think of them as even though they're like you can actually hear them like chanting Buddhist uh, sutras, uh, they're just kind of like zombies essentially. Mm-hmm. They're like undead. You know, like it's a Dark Souls reference. Interesting. In this pursuit of um, eternal life, they have made their lives meaningless. Yes. Interesting. Because zombies, it's a form of immortality too, but you've completely lost your humanity. What an apt comparison. Wow, you're brilliant. Thank you. 
Um, also, the fact that we don't really know how old they all are. And also how immortality is like the antithesis of Buddhist teachings. Right. Antithesis. That is like to achieve enlightenment is to leave your is to essentially leave the mortal coil mm-hmm. eventually uh, to escape samsara and the cycle of reincarnation and and attain enlightenment. Um, so basically being stuck on Earth to continue living out essentially a cursed life is the antithesis of Buddhism. Gosh, just great theming up and down. I I I love this area, and I love that. What do you call it? the perversion of the uh, the Buddhist teachings? And and there is this theme, and we'll talk about this again when we go into the sunken valley. But there is this theme of kind of journey to the West. You know, we have the the monkey king ape, uh, which has to do with like slaying the false Buddha and bringing back the the true teachings. Like, and and this this uh, area definitely leads into that with this the monks in their power and newfound position. uh, Yeah, a position of power that they have carved out for themselves. They are uh, blinding themselves to the purpose of their teaching. I Yeah, no, I think Senpo is a is probably one of the better symbolic representations in the whole game. Mm. Um, Okay, so past all this group of open handed and bow wielding or bow staff wielding monks. Oh, and that's interesting is that you can get a bunch of Akko's sugar and the blue sugar, Ungo? Yeah, and you can you can take... So if you like head up towards the main gates, mm-hmm. the two monks with the staffs use sugars. Yeah, there's... The, well, there's an open-handed one that uses Akko's sugar, and then there's a bow staff one that uses the Ungo sugar. Yes. They do the same pose. You see the same symbols above them. It, it It's just so... Like, this is something that I... You know, I'll talk about it until the cows come home like from software is so good at mirroring you in the enemies like not everything has to be standardized and the same but when you do standardize things it gives a sense of order and reality and immersion to the world so like if the monks you get all of these candies from monks and you're like oh that's cool this is where they come from but seeing the monks use them it's just this level of realism that really it really engrossed me in this area. Um, I want to talk about very briefly the I don't know if I've talked about this before, but the poses that people take. It There's reminds four me four different poses or no, five? How many sugars are there? There's four sugars. No, five sugars. Five. <laughs> yeah, right. five sugars. No, there's four. No, there's four. It's five. Five, four, three, two, one. No, it's Wait, five. Okay. Five. No, it's five. It's five. Red. Dark red, yellow, blue, green. Five. Okay. Yes. Good. Ungo, Ako, Unga Bunga. <laughs> Cannot Kate. Mary Kate Nashley. <laughs> yeah. Ungo, Ako, Yashiriku, Gokan. Gachin? Yeah. Gachin. Yeah. Yeah. That's the stealth one. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. Tell me about these poses. Yeah. They remind me of a uh, Mie, which are like pose it's it's a kabuki term Mm. uh kabuki theater um it's a very like powerful emotional pose stuck by struck by like actors you've probably seen it it's when they kind of like um sway a little bit and then freeze and it almost looks like their eyes go a little cross-eyed if you looked up like what a mie was you'd be like oh yeah i know what that is um it's a very like recognizable classic kabuki thing but it basically just means like appearance um, so it's just to draw attention to like a powerful position. I'm not saying that's exactly what it is, but it definitely 
it definitely reminds me of it when they strike poses to invoke sugars um, because that basically means you might be manifesting either the emotion or the power of the sugars. And and Akko and Ungo sugars are both made in Senpo. So that makes sense that they, they use those two. Right. And you do find a, a plethora of them. I'm, I'm always yes. happy when I get to Senpo because I'm like, yes, lots of Akko sugars for bosses. They probably taste good. Oh, yeah. It's sugar, right? You think Yashariku's sugar tastes like uh, like licorice? <laughs> Like black licorice. That's why you're like, or oh, alcohol. I'm distracted. My HP is low. No, it's alcohol. <laughs> it's an alcoholic sugar. <laughs> yeah. So the poses, it's a bit like the right way to enjoy, the ritualized way to enjoy the thing. It's it's like eating Oreos with milk. Yes. But you like dip the Oreo in the milk. You like wait three or four seconds. So yeah, you can and really that's the, get in there. Yeah. There's a ritual to it for yes. proper enjoyment, proper effect. Um, It's also like... um symbolic of a very like attuned state like if you look at um especially like pictures of buddha um Mm -hmm. you'll see this sort of like very attuned state so okay and speaking of poses this isn't an enemy and i was a little disappointed when it wasn't an enemy okay so we go past these these monks especially the two that pop sugars as soon as they see you yeah and we go up into like the the main gate is shut cricketville usa and in the attic, it's all cobwebby. So obviously this is a part of the the temple that they're not keeping up. They're not paying much attention to. Yes, and it's that's... the four the four heavenly kings. Yeah, tell me about the four heavenly kings. What the yeah, fuck she is this? Tenno, she tenno. They're fu- four Buddhist gods and they watch over the cardinal directions of the world. So hold on one moment. Because they all have like very, very unique names. Oh, almost like the four winds in like Greek uh, mythology. There's like one for each cardinal direction. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Jikokuten, the east, Zojoten, south, Komokuten, the west, and Tamonten, the north. The Mm. Tamonten is the protector of the north. Um, That's like the, the chief of the four kings. Okay. That's the statue in the middle. Yeah, I think so. Another very unique part of them is you can actually see them stepping on demons. I think it's like in just obviously to control them, but they're what the hell are these things called? Epithets? Yeah, epithets have them sort of stepping upon demons and looking very victorious. A lot of the if you look at the artwork of the different uh, sugars in the background, you'll kind of see these sort of statues and figures holding the poses those are all for the most part most of them are the four heavenly kings and the only one that i'm i'm almost a hundred percent sure is not a heavenly king is yashariku i think that looks more like an asherah ah okay this is the forbidden sugar that makes sense it's even a similar color to the uh the bell demon you can acquire yes it's you're right it's all covered in cobwebs so it's not very yeah there's the (laughs) giant crickets and so this is again this is our first glimpse that they are forgetting and turning a blind eye and not respecting the the actual buddhist practices that they arose from yeah they ward off evil guard the nation and protect the world from malicious spirits ah okay so wow that's really good theming because one 
they've forgotten these or or have eschewed these practices, keeping up these statues and and paying homage to these four gods. But it also is the way you get in. So like if they had been keeping it up, that ceiling tile wouldn't have been missing. And so you wouldn't have a way in. You, from their perspective, are the evil, are the invader. But because it it is their own fault, they are uh, uh, falling apart because they are not properly respecting their own traditions. I've looked up who the center might be. I think it's Taishakuten, which is the center, the lord of the center. Oh, okay. So there are five statues. Okay. And what is the lord of the center? Technically, they're commanded by the lord of the center. Okay. And the evil spirits that they're stepping on are called Jaki. Ooh. Oh, another thing, and you'll actually see this specifically in Fountainhead, is it has to do with the four celestial beats, uh, beasts, um, which is the dragon, the red bird, the tiger, and the turtle, which oh. is a, a Chinese, or of Chinese origin. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, they also guard the four cardinal directions. You'll see them a lot in um, in Fountainhead. Yeah. The Wait, we'll see the, the cardinal beasts or we'll see the... You'll see the cardinal beasts. The Cardinal Beast and found out. Ooh, can't wait. Okay, cool. Thank you. Because I always wondered about those statues. Uh, you see them in one of the loading screens. And I was like, ooh, I cannot wait to fight those crazy things. And then they just turn out to be this wonderful in-depth thought on set piece and not actually enemies. It says Bisha Monten, which is the leader. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so funny because it's like, this one's leader. No, this one's leader. <laughs> Bisha Monten is the most powerful. Is what and that's it is. the North Wind? Yes. Okay. And it's considered one of the more widely worshipped of the the four of the five. And he's worshipped independently in Japan. And it's a protector of Buddhist faith and one of Japan's seven lucky gods. Mm. I mean, if I was gonna worship a, a wind god, I would definitely do the north because you know that north wind can be a killer. That cold wind blowing in can yeah. ruin your crops, kill your people. And so if you're going to pay homage to one to get it to be nice to you, that that's the one I'd focus on too. Apparently, Bishamonten actually like supplanted Taishakuten. Mm. And Taishakuten never really enjoyed it, like a, a big status, like a lot of status in Japan. But yeah. Interesting. So uh, uh, it also parallels the, uh, it's funny that they both start with bees, because um, in uh, Greek mythology, it's Borealis uh, is the north wind, yep. uh, which we get in, which we get homage to in uh, Dark Souls 3 with the Boreal Valley. Yes. Uh, okay. Uh, so we go past these fantastically detailed statues uh, and evocative too. Just brilliant, brilliant. Love their many armed pose. Uh, mm. We go down uh, uh, this set of stairs and encounter a bunch of crickets. And again, this is an area where the crickets uh, are at their most devious because like there's a uh, open-handed monk that walks past the stairwell. So you can get a quick death blow on them. But of course the freaking crickets are in the way. So if you try to lock onto him, most likely you won't lock onto him. You'll lock onto a cricket, you'll hit the cricket, and then he will turn around. That's why I got to punch the shit out of all of them. (laughs) This is a great example of like, if you have to be quick, you got to be aggressive. You got to take care of it quickly. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise the crickets are just going to be in the way. I hate Mm -hmm. those crickets, dude. Yeah. (laughs) Big old bugs. Big old bugs. Uh, yeah, and they, they are crickets, but their size and their, um, 
I guess, association with rot and decay. Yes. It really reminds me of cockroaches. Uh, yeah. And I think that's why they get to me when I see them. I'm like, ooh, please stay away from me. They're just so like chit. Like the best word for them is like chitness. Oh, like, I love chitness. that word. Oh, yes. chitness. Oh, I forgot to tell you. Um, crickets are omnivores, meaning that they might actually be feeding on flesh. Yes. Yeah. That makes sense. Oh, and that's why we find so many of them in the the main temple, the and, uh, and the abandoned dungeon. Wow, they're eating little pieces of them. And we find our first uh, monk that they are probably feeding on in this room. There are uh, three monks, I think, uh, kneeling or you know, uh, uh, yes. they are in a meditation pose in front of him. So. I think this is supposed to be like he's, what do you call it? He's instructing them. This is like a high monk. Yes. But we find our first desiccated monk called a, what are they called again? They're called infested seekers. Infested seekers. Okay. And what are they infested with, Mimi? Well, we don't really know. Not yet. Okay. But he almost doesn't look alive to uh, until you get close, in which case he pukes on you. My tummy hurt. <laughs> Very slowly, mind you. They're not really that threatening. Um, also, if you kill them, they come right back to life. You can't kill them at this point in the game. But they, they're a great reference to, again, Sokushin Botsu, the uh, self-mummification process. Please be careful when looking up pictures of Sokushin Botsu uh, monks, because uh, it's obviously very macabre. Um, yes. So just be very careful. Um, but if you look up a lot of pictures of Sokushin Botsu monks, they look very, very similar. You know, they have the big hat, <laughs> cool hat. A lot of them just because they've basically been diefied uh, or deified, deified. Um, basically, they've been ma- made into like saints, essentially. Deified. Mm-hmm. Um, they have like really beautiful clothing on and they, there's like shrines dedicated to them. But obviously, since this guy is alive, he's just, you know, he's just a little dude, just a little guy. He's just living. He's living mm-hmm. his best life, his best infested life. And his robes are drained of color is this just him being in decay like his his clothing is decaying along with his body or is he wearing something uh different than the other monks he's wearing something different than the other monks but you actually um you actually see later in the in the level a monk that is uh wearing very very extravagant clothing that looks like this. It almost looks like, you know, it was funeral funerary clothing like because it's white. Mm. So it looks like it could have been Buddha's funerary clothing. But obviously they did not die. So did not die. Cannot die. Cannot die. Literally won't die. Yeah. And in that same room is also where we find other than uh, Kotaro, uh, we find our first hero trooper. But I think it's just a mallet. one, Right. Yes. It's just okay. mallet. But he's wearing. um very unique orange clothing Mm. um, because that kind of points to him being associated with the temple. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Instead of just like a loincloth or something, he is wearing a full, it's almost like he's wearing a full-size robe, but it just wraps around the lower half of him. Yes. Oh, funnily enough, is another Fatal Frame 2 thing. Lay it on me. So along with the priest's the priest ghosts in Fatal Frame 2, you have a main boss you actually don't fight till like way later in the game that also looks like a, a Sokushin Botsu. Um, he looks very skeletal. He's got the hat. He's got the cool hat. And it's definitely sort of this 
deification of uh, a person. But yeah, no, uh, it, we don't really know what they're infested with yet. Not yet. We're 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 kind of in the dark there. on that. We're getting we're climbing there. the the mount mount. Yeah. Uh, is it Mount Sempo? No, it's Mount yeah. something else, right? Mount Congo. Mount Congo. Yeah, we're climbing Mount Congo. Okay, and we're 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 almost there. We're so excitedly there. Okay, so we go past all of them. Uh, we grab a gourd seed, maybe some lump of fat wax in there, or maybe it's grave wax. Uh, and then we jump out of the window mm-hmm. and into this courtyard, which looks like a place for cultivation of crops, maybe. It looks like they're growing something there. We find some bandits, which like, what the fuck, man? What are you vibing. doing in league with the bandits? They're vibing. So either they've been in league with the bandits for a long time and may have some connection to Harada, or... They know that the inner ministry is coming. They know that Ashina may not be happy with them for very long. Could be spies. Oh, they could be spies. Also, a uh, uh, less interesting reason, but I think that they're just there to like fuck with you while you deal with your first spinny boy. Oh, yes. In terms of game design, they're definitely there as a distraction while this elite trooper tries to, you know, hurricane blade your face. Yeah, I, I assume that they were hired by Sempo uh, mm-hmm. as extra assurance or extra, what do you call hands. it? Just like, yeah, extra hands against any coming invasion. Because obviously their doors are closed. They are expecting, they're not expecting to receive anyone right now. Yeah. Uh, but the bandits we've talked about before, but yes, we find our first spinny guy, uh, which is called a spear adapt or spear master. So tell me about yeah, these guys. Master. because. They are the the one people that I completely avoid here, but also they're very striking. They have uh, quite different clothing than the rest of the monks. Yeah, they're like human Beyblades. Human Beyblades. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, let her rip. Yeah, no, they're really hard. Um, they're definitely mm-hmm. designed to be dealt with in a very specific way, mm-hmm. um, but they're hard hitting. They're fast. I'm curious if they're from... Senpo itself because Senpo definitely puts like uh, an emphasis on like hand to hand kicks, strikes, stuff like that whereas these enemies not only are they dressed underneath their straw cape, their Mino in like dark blue clothing mm-hmm. but you know they've got a hat and they've got a very like unique weapon it would probably be just cons- be considered like a Yachty, I don't know if there's a specific name for this weapon or if it's just one of those big ass fantasy weapons yeah it's almost like a naginata because it's a it's not just a spear point uh like a standard yari it is a blade at the end of the pole arm yeah it, it's probably based on a real weapon and i'm not the most knowledgeable in this specific kind of weaponry but mm-hmm. um it's obvious obviously meant to be used in that spinning in that spinning motion <laughs> But yeah, they, they've got an interesting appearance because they, they're not dressed like any of the monks and even underneath their straw cape, they're not dressed in like orange or anything. It's like dark blue. It's almost like a night jar. It looks it looks underneath. It almost looks like a like night. I'm not saying it is a night jar. It just like all the enemies we've seen so far associated with like Shinobi have this like dark clothing about them. But obviously they're not trying to be sneaky considering <laughs> considering. Uh, yes. The, see, their clothing kind of 
I don't know, jumps out at me because the blue, it's almost like the robes of the the shinobi hunters that are supposed to be from a, the separate uh, uh, monastery. Enshin, yeah. Enshin. So maybe there's a reading here that these guys are the the best of the best of like the Enshin uh, shinobi hunters. And maybe Sempo has a relationship with that other temple where they right. would be able to ask for these guys uh, to come and help guard. Mm-hmm. I love their hats because they're very similar to the hats in Big Trouble in Little Chinatown. Yep. Or Big Trouble in Little China, no town. And uh, they're even like they don't fly, but they have jumps that are all, you know, like very gravity defying. They definitely use forward motion and they kind of throw their weight around, but they're mm-hmm. very like graceful. Um, They kind of remind me of... I think it's the Sword of Doom. Okay. Because um, if there's like a really famous shot, it's got to- it's Toshiro Mifune back at it again. Mm-hmm. Um, It's got that hat in it. <laughs> it's obvious. It's very like heavily associated media with like really, really dangerous dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a really cool scene from that movie that I think might be up on YouTube that uh, features that hat. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think they're just, I don't want to say worst in the sense that they're a bad enemy. I just hate fighting them. Right. They're very difficult. They're really set up so that you duel them one-on-one, but then there's several, the situations they present them in, you have to lure one away or you have to clear out the area before you can actually duel one. Yeah. Which speaks to like, they're not here to fight you in honorable combat. They're here to guard the goddamn gate. They're placed very strategically Mm -hmm. throughout the... The whole temple, which means they're very like they're there for a reason and they're definitely a great roadblock. Yeah, they are fucking awesome. And I think you can find two varieties of their costume. But the only thing that I could see different is that one of them has like boots or leggings on and the other one is barefooted, but still has the the sandals. Right. Oh, and they also they have this very impressive weapon, but they also have Kind of rare in the game. Shuriken. Don't they have shuriken? Yeah, they have throwing something, throwing daggers or needles or stars or something that oh, they can sure, use. They're definitely shuriken because they 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 look exactly like shuriken. So 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 something. By the way, a unique thing about or this game guide is that they actually go over all the attacks in the game. Um, so like how to deal with them and what they. I mean, not the official names, just what they call them. They definitely call the spear like a glaive, which is also a good word for it. Yeah. Oh, I love glaives and bardikes. My favorite is the halberd. That's my that's my favorite spear. Wow, it doesn't mention the Oh yeah, it says can throw shuriken during windup. Yep. Yeah, because it's supposed to kind of like not necessarily be a distraction, but definitely uh throw you off mm. when you uh for their next attack. Hmm. Uh okay, so we we go past them, we find this. We find this pathway through kind of the the rock wall, this little cave that leads us up to a very precarious on the side of the mountain uh, area with a bunch of rickety walkways. The only enemy we find up there is uh, more assassins. But then we climb, climb, climb past the assassins up to this peak and we find a covered bridge. Uh, which serves as another gateway uh, to stop invaders uh, uh, from reaching, uh, I guess, the temple proper. Mm-hmm. And there is one guardian. Tell us about this guardian. That's Robert's dad. 
is Robert's dad, Armored Robert Warrior. Pol- and do we, we don't Pol- know his name. I thought his name was Robert too, that it, it it was implied by the firecrackers that his name might also be Robert. Yeah, it could be. Um, He tells you you're not going to get any further. Strike me all you like. I am unbreakable. Mm-hmm. So the cool news is, is that he's got very Western influenced armor. It's not fully Western, mm-hmm. but it is very Western influenced. It's technically like a minor transa- translation error. We've talked about how the two people who have visited, like two the two Westerners, Western races of people who have visited Japan by now are the Portuguese and the Dutch. Mm-hmm. So Robert actually was supposed to be Roberto. Roberto! Which is a Portuguese name. Um, So he's implied to be Portuguese. So he's actually got very, like, very, very, for the time, it's very Portuguese looking. If you actually look at uh, armor from Portugal and Spain at the time, it's very similar to what he's wearing. Also, he's got a giant fucking claymore. <laughs> giant. It's a big sword. Huge claymore. It's it's nice to find, it's nice that we've been talking about all of these Japanese weapons and it's just like big sword. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got this big two uh, you know this big two handed sword from the west mm-hmm. and you you have to hit him and build up his posture and deflect because you can't like kill him kill him because mm-hmm. the armor's too heavy and too like impenetrable essentially so you have to take him and build up his posture to the point where you can knock him over and then kick him off of the bridge and whereby he says his um his very famous famous quote Robert Hall! you know <laughs> he's oh god this is a sad boss um mm-hmm. so he's you a sad first dad. You sad dad you first kind of learn about Robert, uh, Roberto in the first in 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 the first part of the game with the memorial mob when they send you when they give you firecrackers mm-hmm it's Robert's firecrackers, right? Yes. Bobby B's firecrackers. <laughs> Bobby B's firecracker emporium for all your firecracker needs. Yeah. So we're gifted that. We're not gifted. We have to buy it, of course. Yeah, we have to buy it. <laughs> 500 bucks. It's expensive for an early game item, but once you get it, it's very well worth it. Yeah. Um, it says, sold by little Robert and his father to raise funds for their travels. Their voyage brought them to Japan where they would seek the undying and attempt to extend Robert's life. So Roberto is implied to bring his child, Roberto Jr., mm-hmm. to um, Japan because there was apparently rumors of like undeath in, mm. in a certain part of Japan. Um, so he uh, he took him to Senpo because Senpo was kind of associated with like treating children. Mm. In the ninth prayer necklace, it says Robert's father came from afar across seas to the south in search of the undying, which um, that's how Portuguese, obviously, that was one of the only ways they could get there was sailing south around Africa and South uh, South Asia. Right. Um, and hitting hitting Japan. Um, repelling a thousand blades was a small price for the blessing of rejuvenation. So so Robert was sick and they wanted to make him either better or at least enough to survive. I don't know if it's ever mentioned if he's dead or not. I'm assuming he's dead. I'm assuming he's dead. And yes, that that sure, maybe he got the rejuvenating waters, but he was just part of the experiment and he is one of the children that died. Yep. So 
you know, it's really sad that he essentially like offered his services to Sempo in exchange for like saving his son and they couldn't save his son, but he might be indebted to them forever because they at least try. It's like, okay, well, if you fight, like if you become our bodyguard for, for life, we'll, we'll save your son. But obviously mm-hmm. they did not save your son. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a tragic situation in which they, they have hold all the cards because his son is his life. That's his reason for living. Um, I think we talked about, and I, I presented this as like, oh, we'll we'll talk about it in Sempo. The old ladies you keep meeting. Yes. I think that they're like failed uh, divine experiments. Wait, what? So like, I think that instead of like keeping them young, it like they aged forward essentially because they're like borderline childlike. And also mm. they ask for rice. And a lot of them are very like religious and religiously devoted. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's my thoughts is that they're all like divine child, quote unquote children, but they're obviously not children anymore. So maybe there's something there with uh, the gendered divide. So like Roberto is dead. Well, we assume we don't see him in game. He's probably dead. But and the divine child is uh, uh, a girl, feminine, mm-hmm. um, and so are all of these old women. So maybe there is something there that the rejuvenating waters kill, or the the experiments that they're doing kill yeah. all the male children, but they have unintended uh, uh, effects on the uh, the women. They're also um, wearing very similar clothing to the divine child. They're just very like dilapidated, and they look like shit. I've never heard this. That's so fascinating. And that would make sense why, because I, I never could tell if it was the same old woman who keeps finding us. No, I don't uh, think so. Okay. You think they're just different old women and they're all pointed towards Sempo or in Sempo? Yes. Just a theory. I'm not saying it's, it's true. Hey, th- this game is full of interpretation and that's a, that's a great uh, headcanon thing to have around. Uh, so Armored Warrior, Roberto Sr., his design fascinates me because one, yes, it's very proper. It, it's historically pretty historically accurate armor, but like you said, it's not quite historically accurate. It it is that Western thing, but with some Eastern influences on it, which leads me to believe that like he brought the armor with him, but has been here long enough that he's made adjustments to it, repaired it, uh, enhanced it. He's wearing a. Uh, what do you call it? I can't remember the name of the mask, but it's that Oni mask. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he had a faceplate on his armor originally, but he has adopted that terrifying visage, I assume, out of a sense of practicality to to make his armor truly impenetrable to uh, uh, protect his face. But maybe, you know, uh, uh, symbolically, he has become the face of the temple. He has become that terrifying guardian. And he also, I don't know, is the helmet accurate historically? Because it, yes, yes, okay. it is interesting. Because it harkened back to the Abyss Watchers in Dark Souls Three for me, but also it harkens back to I think the wolf armor from uh, Berserk, which oftentimes is a obviously he is a little like his design is a little like guts from Berserk, oversized sword, indomitable will, and a little bit of a pointy hat. Pointy hat. If you look at um, helmets from the time, and I'm talking about Western helmets, it looks almost one for one like that. The only difference is I think the little 
the side piece where so like the helmet on top um is accurate but i think it's been modified to be more similar to a japanese helmet absolutely yeah um a lot of um we call uh more morion uh helmets they mm-hmm. look very similar to morion helmets which you'll you'll see a lot of like uh conquistadors have Awful, awful people. Oh, so maybe he was a conquistador. No, so I don't think I so. It was just, it's him. just associated with a conquistador. It's just he's he's Portuguese. So, you know, it's it's very influential in the area. All right. All right. Fair enough. I don't know why I just defended the armored warrior so hard. No, he's not that bad. No, he's not. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, he's not. He's not a conquistador. He's just uh, he's just uh, uh, enabling child experimentation. It's fine. Well, but he doesn't know. He he thinks he thinks it's on the. I don't know. Does night. he not know? I mean, he doesn't know that Robert's dead. Oh, and so if, that's. If he doesn't oh. know that Robert's dead. I assume he doesn't know that the other children are all dead. Oh no, that really sucks. Because I just realized he might not know. He might be Ooh. the saddest dad. Okay, well, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna have a good cry about this later. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Because he, he's supposed to be, I think, a merchant, right? But he has given up every part of that life. It's not just that he's given up money or given up time or anything like that. He has given up his whole way of life to give his son a chance at life, mm-hmm. uh, which puts him in stark contrast to the people he is protecting, mm-hmm. which is, you know, amazing storytelling, but diegetically just the saddest fucking thing. Yeah. Okay, so we drop him off the side of the bridge. Love, love the setting here. Like, what a beautiful- Picturesque. um, It's got a koi pond. It's beautiful. As we descend into it, there's a koi pond. There are, I think we get attacked by dogs. (laughs) It's so beautiful. Wow, I'm being mauled by a dog. (laughs) But there's just this natural beauty to to the landscape. Um, all, and the, you know, the temple itself is a thing of beauty. It's really wonderful construction, but it's almost like it's marring the landscape. It's on top of it. And the real beauty is, is has been there all along, but this other thing, this man-made structure is on top of it. But we, we, we descend past this koi pond. We go up into this, uh, another temple courtyard area. Um, we find a bunch of assassins, another infested seeker. And then if we go off to kind of a side area, we can encounter those little guys and their boss, these terrifying little assholes. What are they called again? Centipedes. So in in another little side temple, yeah, they're like Vega on crack. Uh, they've yes. got two sets of claws. Voldo, Voldo but worse, which yeah. is, you didn't even know. We didn't even know it could get worse, but it did. Yeah, because at least Voldo doesn't have iron curved spikes on his back sewn into the back what's what's up with these guys so they're called centipedes because they are modeled themselves to look like a centipede is that what the things on their back is supposed to be yes and listen to this i have some some interesting lore talk to me about these little little fucking freaks these little fucking dudes (laughs) like because they're about the size of the assassins but they they don't look like little people because their limbs are not shorter did you have you looked at their actual nails they're 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 long no oh really he's got these fucked up long like long unkempt nails they're so gross interesting okay they're so they're so disgusting so the name 
centipede mm-hmm. was the nickname of the real world Takeda clans miners, like like mining uh mining workers, not young due people. to their specialization in crawling inside the narrowest spots to collect ores. Oh, which is why we find them in caves. We find a lot of them in caves. Mm-hmm. Now, listen to this. The Gunfort Shrine presents a Buddhist statue holding serpent skin, mm-hmm. the same found deep within the cave of the serpent god. Mm-hmm. It definitely like combines the religion of Buddhism and the old religion of the snakes. Mm-hmm. The animism theme. Yes. Both long arms. So we'll, we'll talk about these guys, but the both of the long arm centipedes, they they have a fixed drop of yellow gunpowder, which you can only find in the sunken valley. Right. But anyways, along with that, um, it talks about how the monks are actually apparently not supposed to be originally from Mount Congo. Oh, um, okay. because of the fan, the 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 fan. Um, right. They were spirited away to Mount Congo, um, which is why you can't be a why you can't like. If you try to spirit them away again, they'll just like disappear forever. You can't be spirited away twice. Nope. It's double jeopardy. Yes. You basically just like get deleted. (laughs) 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 That's your control alt delete of uh, Sengoku Japan. But centipedes, obviously, besides trying to emulate centipedes, it's just like very similar to the like actual real life stuff. Obviously, the Takeda clan didn't have them with hooks, but... They're very similar. Now, the way that they use their claws, because they got the Wolverine claws going mm-hmm. on, is kind of like how centipedes, like the Japanese, the really upsetting looking uh, poisonous centipedes. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen these fucking things? No. They're so upsetting to look at. Oh, they're so upsetting. They, they're a venomous species. Mm-hmm. They're called, in Japan, they're called omukade. Um Scolopendra japonica. Can I please get the real fucking name of this thing? I think it's just the giant centipede. Okay. Um, centipedes. I think in a lot of like um lore, uh, in a lot of artwork, you'll see them with giant like pinchers in the front. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's kind of what it's trying to emulate. Where it's like, ooh, they got these giant these giant pinchers. And hold on, let me look at the picture of the monks because I don't think they have pinchers. They do not. They just have the big antenna. But still, they use it kind of like when they attack, they kind of sweep like they're big pinchers. Mm -hmm. These little guys also do um, fire attacks. They throw fire at you. Yeah, they throw little firebombs. Yeah, yeah. Um, They throw little firebombs at you. And they'll back up while they're doing it. It's such a fluid, cool animation. Um, I wonder because like a lot of like immortal dudes are afraid of fire. Mm. I don't know if that's just like a defense mechanism because if you, um, the monks are weak to fire. Mm-hmm. So when we find them in this hall, there's no monks there. There's just the centipedes. I wonder if that's their way of being like no monks allowed because mm. they have a giant burning uh, pot in the middle, like a blazing fire in the middle. Right. So are they implied to be the original inhabitants of Mount Congo that the monks have supplanted them? No, they're implied to possibly come from the sunken valley. Okay. Um, Either that or it's just like another sect because the bigger centipedes have bandages all over them. Mm-hmm. And we the only other time we really, really see that is in the sunken valley. Okay. Well, let's talk about the big one then. The mini boss that you can fight here. 
long arm centipede Sen-un. Sen-un. Now, does Sen-un mean anything? Sen-un sounds very like Buddhist. That's like a very Buddhist name, like a very okay. monk name. Because the, uh, the other one is giraffe. Girafu. Yeah, no, that's yeah, just girafu, like a direct. Which is yeah, like a translation of Kirin, maybe? Yes, it is. So he... He's got those crazy eyes. He yeah he does have the crazy eyes. He absolutely has the crazy eyes. He bitch he has the the looks fine to me. You know the dude who goes looks looks fine to me. It's, it's fine. <laughs> he it's looks okay. like that dude. They're so gross. Um, he's interesting because he's covered in bandages. Mm-hmm. Um, from head to toe. Mm-hmm. They're dressed in like very poor sackcloth, and they're just covered in like these iron hooks. Um, these are supposed to be the quote unquote like chiefs of the centipedes. I think it's just they're they've got like a very macabre design. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very like viscerally horrifying to look at. Yeah, they're almost feral. Like they walk around, they climb on walls, they walk around on all fours. They remind me of two enemies. Um, they remind me of the boreal knights in Dark Souls Three, the ones that fought on their like um they fight on their. Oh on yeah, all fours. the the God. What are they? Outrider knights? Something. Yeah, like outrider that. knights. Outrider knights. Um, and they remind me of the bloodhound knights in Elden Ring. Oh yeah. Okay, they're very much like that. And I think that's just kind of really p- subtracting their humanity and showing their lack of humanity. Mm-hmm. Like they've dropped that, and they're just basically like creatures. They're animals. Mm-hmm. They're creatures. They're reverting to something more primal. And it's effective. Their fighting technique is hard to overcome if you don't know the trick. Oh, it's so good, though. Like, I know they're not a hard boss, but it's such a great example of the rhythm game aspect of mm-hmm. Sekiro. Because, um, you know, they only have, like, two or three attack sets. I think it's a great boss. Um, It's definitely impl- uh, inferred that you can't, you shouldn't damage it, like, regularly. That you should just purely deflect Mm -hmm. i don't know it's not really important to deflect it's just fun to you know just fuck with them you know just just like go with their little game and then uh build up their posture and then go from there yeah it's one of those bosses that like once you learn the trick of just once you either learn the rhythm or learn that you can tap your block really fast it goes from like insurmountable to pretty easy there's not too much details on them besides the bandages and obviously the weapons and the crazy eyes. Mm-hmm. I don't think that the, I think if you look at their model closer, the ones on their back are actually held by like a rigging, like a rigging system. Mm. But I, I don't know about the ones on their legs because they look pretty in there. Um, The ones on their hands though are also like, like a weapon. Like, you know, it's just, it's not actually on like, macrame in their skin it's just um tied there mm. um so they're they're just again they're just very viscerally hor- horrifying to look at uh yes <laughs> very imposing um it, so is there any reasoning for the giant size of the leaders and the tiny size of the uh the subordinates oh um is it just kind of a video game logic thing it's video game logic thing okay I think. that's fine. as far as i know because they have essentially the same model. Yes. Well, this one's a little more unique and detailed and has more to it. This one has the bandages on it because mm-hmm. the other ones don't have bandages. Okay. Which, especially on their face. Like this one has bandages on the face. Oof. Upsetting. 
Yes, very upsetting. Uh, which you know, good job from software. You took some inspiration from a real life centipede, and you're like, look, they can't just be centipedes, but can they be as upsetting as looking at a centipede? And the uh, answer I mean, they're definitely emulating it. That's for sure. Okay. And so, and is there a reason why they're emulating the centipedes? Yes, because centipedes in this area specifically are like associated with like immortality. They're also a symbol of war. I've talked about that before. A symbol of like war and power. There's this great website called yokai.com. Yeah. <laughs> that I love using. It before. I love using yokai.com and they've got great illustrations, but they're, they're also associated with mountain mountains and caves. They are also depicted with dragon-like features. And we talk about the dragon in the game multiple times being a symbol of immortality. Mm -hmm. They never throw poison at you, do they? It's just fire? I think it's fire. But I think the fire is supposed to emulate the poison. Yeah, because it's supposed to be extremely poisonous. Yeah, I think we talked about it. We talked about the venom being able to like dissolve flesh or something. Yes, although they are like weak to human saliva. Which is very funny. Oh, that's so funny that 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 our saliva is like as poisonous to them as their venom is to other creatures. Yes. So they're considered the more even though they can be portrayed with like dragon features, mm-hmm. they are considered like the mortal enemy to dragons. Oh, OK. So the theming in this game is so good. Like they are at the the centipede is at odds with the dragon because the dragon is one method of immortality and the centipedes are the other one. But there's sort of a corrupt, I mean, all immortality is bad, but they're supposed to be an unclean, a kegare uh, immortality. Yes, kegare. Yes, indeed. But they would probably try to emulate it in the sense that they're technically like very powerful beings, but they're immortal, mm-hmm. especially in this universe. They're associated with immortality, maybe not the best kind, but... Mm-hmm. Well, we're coming up on, we're making, we're making a good time. We're making good progress. We're coming up on our end. Uh, but before we get to the Hall of Illusions. Uh, I wanted to ask you, do you want to do mention lizards here or would you rather mention them in the Sunken Valley? Let's mention them in the Sunken Valley. Okay, cool. Okay, so centipede, centipede, mini boss. All I have left is Hall of Illusion monkeys. We have the infested dudes that actually show their- Oh, yes, centipedes. okay. So we can fight these centipedes, uh, including the mini boss, the long arm centipede. But if we turn around from that and just continue up the critical path, we'll go past a tarot trooper, which has a shield, which is, I think, Mm -hmm. the first time we see that variety. Um, Not much to say about it. It's just like it's just like a door. It's just like a big straight plank of wood. Um, It's barely can be called a shield, but they use it as a shield. uh, And it's really devastating if you actually try to fight them because their shield bashes can floor you. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that there's much to say about them beyond that. It's a unique uh, form of them with, it's got the, obviously the Sempo garb and they're using the tower shield. And then past them, we come up to the main temple, the high holy place. Beautiful, beautiful place. Gorgeous. Uh, And inside, this is what a lot of people, or at least I associate with Buddhist temples, uh, is like tons of these little statues. It's almost like a an inverse of our dilapidated temple that we spend so much time in, he's carving these little wooden Buddhas and he has like almost the same number, but these are like golden Buddhas. These are forged and crafted Buddhas that belie the, or they're juxtaposed with the 
desiccated, decaying monks that populate the area. They're very, they're still very unassuming because the only kind we've seen so far is the one that just pukes on you. The pukey kind. And then you go up to one of these monks thinking they're easy because one of them has like an item in front of them. Mm-hmm. And instantly a giant centipede comes out and beats the shit out of you. Oh my God. The biggest centipede we've seen so far, like taller than you are to the point where I'm like, where were you keeping that? What is that coming out of? Yeah, it's you can also finally kind of tell at the bottom there's like little baby centipedes. Oh, like within the like surrounding of their, their feet. Yeah, they're gross. They're like crawling up their bodies. They've basically been parasitized by these centipedes. And one of the main implied ways that you do it is to eat centipede eggs. Okay. Which, oh, you know? Oh, God. Oh, okay. Ugh. Yep. I would say not all the monks have it because I'm assuming that it's very, it's like a quote unquote honor to them. This is the highest form of the infestation of the parasitism. Yep. You have to like to be infested is a high honor. So they probably all have centipedes in them, but only the high monks have this adult fully formed one. Actually, no, not just there's one more character that Talk has a Hanbei. Hanbei has a full-grown adult centipede in him. Really? He does. So so in the manga, I've talked about the manga before. Okay. It's implied, well, it's more or less shown, that Hanbei, when he was a young man, this was during the Sengoku period, he was dying of starvation, just in the middle of nowhere, dying of starvation, and a monk approached him and did something to him. Probably fed him centipede eggs. Yes. It caused him to be immortal. And later on in the manga, when he does like a really big fight, and I think he's like basically slashed in half, a centipede busts out of him. Mm-hmm. And and obviously he sees this as a bad thing. He is not happy about being immortal. He's not happy. It's caused him a lot of problems. Did not ask for this. Do not Yes. Want. And then when we have the ability to kill him with the mortal blade later, that's what you do. You pull the centipede out of him and rip it to shreds and he's able to die finally Mm. they literally can't die as long as the centipede's alive yeah this thing that the monks are are praying towards are are working towards is a curse it's a well it's it's almost less like supernaturally a curse and more like literally a parasite right like it's actually based on real it's almost kind of like a like cordyceps cordyceps Oh, is that the the, the zombie, zombie fungus that affects yes. ants? Uh, well, it affects a lot of different insects typically, but oh, they're no. they're the kind that, yes, they invade the brain and make them climb all the way to the top of, you know, whatever plant or wherever they can get right. so that they can branch out and become more cordyceps. Like technically they're dead when they're doing that. They're zombies. And then they just sit there for the rest of their life until they just waste away into more fungus terrifying it's awesome and terrifying and apt here that's an apt comparison because hanbei seems to be in control somewhat but like uh especially when we talk about the guardian ape coming up uh like this is what's in control yes uh like when you maybe you have a conscious control of your body but when your physical existence is threatened when the centipede is threatened it takes control plus like obviously it's being used as a matter of reproduction 
abduction because mm-hmm. there's smaller, like almost juvenile centipedes crawling throughout it. So, oh, that's so upsetting. It's like a centipede nest. No, that's so sad. Ah, I hate it. I might uh, include a, a content warning on yes, this one. Yes, please do. Oh my God, this is awful. <laughs> that's the one bug I can't stand. I'm serious. That is the one bug I am terrified of. Mm-hmm. I love millipedes. Millipedes are friends. Centipedes can get fucked. I can't. I can't. Rightfully so. I mean, they are the war insect. We are at war with the centipede, mankind's ancient enemy. Anyways, that's what that's kind of what we find out is infesting the monks. It's a great it's great, quote unquote, reveal Mm -hmm. because it's like, you know, your first encounter with like centipedes and your second encounter with essentially parasitized immortality. Mm -hmm. Actually, fourth. Well, no, because like it's a rejuvenating sediment and the who do you call it? Go hand in hand. Um, the Mibu village. Right. So yeah, it's your, it's your, so yeah, it's your second time you, you find like another shitty form of immortality. Yeah. Okay. Well, they are the pinnacle of corruption. Uh, you know, we're at the top of this mountain, but in many ways we are at a spiritual low for the game and they are right next to, and what's funny is that I, I don't know that they have access. They must have access because they are the ones who are keeping the divine child uh, locked away. But I like the juxtaposition of they're right next to all of these pristine statues, but they're also right next to the entranceway to the Hall of Illusions, which is that the bell, which I like to think that like they don't have access to that anymore. They're so spiritually bereft that they can't actually go into the Hall of Illusions anymore. No, and- you actually, if you go to uh, Senpo before you fight Genichiro, mm-hmm. you'll meet a ceremony master who is a one of those mummies that you see in Senpo. But he's a, he's the one I was talking about that had the really really cool, like the really ornate. Um, oh right! And if you if you go if you do other places first, if you do Genichiro first, and then you come do this, you can find him again. But he's dead, right? Like dead, dead. Oh, and it's even it's even worse because like he's crawling with tiny baby centipedes and centipede like eggs. Oh, no. It's it's like he's like literally sitting on a on a bed of centipede eggs. Okay, so he's got an immaculate robe. He's got these unlike the other desiccated monks who have these tattered faded robes. His are I can't remember. Is he wearing green? Yes, he's in green with a gold hat. Okay. He says a few things. Um, He basically asks the children of the rejuvenating waters to forgive him, lamenting over the divine child. And he, he, like Sekiro goes, I'm told that a special holy person lives here. And she, or he talks about how it's probably the divine child, but she's confined within the inner sanctum. And in her quest line, which I, I think we might talk about eventually, she wants to know why she was the only one who survived. Mm-hmm. So he talks about that and he gives you the holy chapter infested, mm. which you can actually get later. If you go into the koi pond, there's like a Buddha statue submerged and it's on on top of, I think, the hand. For an age, I have been blessed by the worm to be undying is to walk the eternal path to enlightenment. Thus, I must become enlightened to understand why I cannot die. It is said the holy dragon's origins were in the West. So I wonder how did the worm come to be bestowed upon me? 
maybe it was involuntary that it happened to mm. the first people, not 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 most of the people. So maybe this this man could have involuntarily been infected, mm-hmm. but just kind of went with it and obviously was in charge of the experimentation. Also, he mentions that Wolf has like a smell. Oh, that smell. So you're the one who works for the divine heir of the dragon's blood. And it's actually mentioned before that there's this sort of smell to Wolf specifically. Mm. And he recognizes Wolf as the shinobi of the divine heir. He says, the divine heir is truly exalted, exalted or not. Man is still man. I'm so foolish that I didn't understand that myself. Don't leave your divine heir on his own. Leave. It's too late to regret once you've already lost them. So he regrets all of their experimentation. Yes. I mean, a little too little too late on that one. Too yeah. too many dead kids. Like, it's not required. You can also get this text. I actually think you get it from his corpse later in the game. Yeah, no, I think the the infested chapter is if you do Genichiro first, then he is dead by the time you get here. And what I assume is that the other monks have thrown that chapter into the lake so that no one can yes, find it. Yes, exactly. It also says to be undying is to walk the eternal path to enlightenment, meaning that you're just stuck. You're never going to be enlightened. You're stuck. You'll never reach that plateau. Yes. You will always be Sisyphus. Pretty much. They poo-pooed it. They just kind of like went, looked at it and went, ew, <laughs> this isn't mm-hmm. like, do you know that meme where it's like Jesus spoke the truth, hated him. They, the Pharisees hated Jesus because he spoke the truth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you couldn't do that meme, but with the holy chapter infested. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyways, <laughs> let's, let's go to, the, let's go talk about the folding screen. Apes. Yeah. Okay. So there's one more monk we can meet, but this monk, is he real? We we grab the illusion hall bell and using it, we can meditate ourselves into this mental plane, this illusory hall. And inside that, we can find another monk who's dressed in the Sempo garb, but he is uh, uh, shirtless and is standing praying. Uh, so what what's up with this guy? Like, why is he here? Why is he separate from the other monks? So a lot of... I think we talked about the theming being like this sort of false path to enlightenment. Mm-hmm. Whereas this special realm, uh, the halls of illusion, mm-hmm. is it says it's trapped between life and death. So you can't mm-hmm. die. You can't the die hall. there. Okay. Another, it's another form of shitty immortality. <laughs> he's basically there because he's just trying to figure shit out, but also like I want to have time to do it, so I'm going to stay here and be caught in undeath. I can't die, but I can't att- attain uh, enlightenment, so we're just going to ponder that for a bit. Oh, okay. So it's like transcendental meditation. Yes. Like re- you can find these truths while you are you know, up there in your mind, disconnected from your body, but- the danger there is not being able to bring it back, not being able to let the the truths that you find up in that mental or spiritual realm affect your physical life. Maybe that's this guy's cautionary tale is that he's separate from those other monks. He doesn't believe in the form of immortality that they have found, but he is also stuck. He also mentions that there is like there was someone before Wolf that had come. Interesting. Um. I think it was Tomoe because she she was looking for the mortal blade and right. couldn't find it. Either that or it could have been Genichiro. We don't know. 
because they're both they're like you where it's like okay they're immortal but i i personally think it was tomoe because she was never able to find it mm-hmm. yeah i i, I don't know i kind of like both of those because genichiro he i feel like if he had reached this uh he would have been turned away like that guy would not have helped him and uh, the the monkeys would not have wanted to, you know, bow down to him. Like they wouldn't have wanted to help him either. Uh, so they would have protected the path of the divine child. And the other interpretation, Tomoe going there is also cool just because it's like sad. It's like Tomoe, for whatever reason, could not solve the riddle of the monkeys. I think it's because of the fact that we're so mobile with our uh, shinobi prosthetic that it made it easier for us because we can navigate it easier oh right 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 we can all do all that rooftop shit also also because we'll talk about this with the folding monkeys but uh the fact that he was able to because f- it's a whole riddle it's like a riddle boss it's like mm-hmm. a, it's a little gimmicky but little you know puzzle. Yeah. also i really do enjoy how this uh, monk tells you to fuck off <laughs> multiple times he's like okay well bye please leave me alone why have you returned as you do not have any missions to complete here I ask that you leave quietly. Let's talk about the folding screen monkeys. Let's talk um, about them. Here's where it mentions, because I'm like, I'm pretty sure the monkeys are supposed to be the souls of, inhabited by the souls of dead children. Oh, why is that? Um, It said the departed souls of the divine children drift and sway, taking shelter in these monkeys. Oh, Such okay. is why they've befriended the divine child of rejuvenation and seek to keep her hidden from prying eyes. So it's oh. it's implied that not only have like the divine children specifically inhabited these monkeys, but it's implied that they might like different children in general might have inha- might inhabit the monkeys in the overworld. Wow. Oh, how fascinating. OK, so. A fun fact about the folding screen monkeys, because it's another translation issue. Mm-hmm. Um, it hides a clue because you have you have three monkeys. You have you have see no evil, do no evil, and speak no evil, which is um I'm pretty sure that's Buddhist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a Buddhist thing. But then there's a comma at the end of the last monkey with like nothing at the end, which seems a little weird mm-hmm. because it's like is there su- supposed to be something here? Mm-hmm. And there's four folding screens. Yes, um, which is based on the four wise monkeys. So three monkeys that we can see. And then we kind of like, you know, we, we beat down their health bar. And then we're like, huh, there's like a little bit left. What's going on there? We kind of like see footsteps behind us. And we're like, what the hell is that? And you you continuously see it. And then you can if you hit it it's a monkey that's like invisible mm-hmm. which is do no which is considered the do no evil ah okay i thought it was going to be the smell no evil monkey because he's the always following no you evil. And you can't quite smell <laughs> him. thou whoever smelt it thou dealt it <laughs> yeah it's actually a japanese specifically um it's a it's a maxim which is a uh, a moral rule or principle but it was is implied to possibly have come from China, like many of their cultural ancestors. It's a yeah, it's a philosophy. It's a philosophy. Okay. Um, it's a boot. It's technically like a possible Buddhist philosophy. Um, in China, there is uh, look not at what is contrary to propriety. Listen not to what is contrary to propriety. Speak not what is contrary to propriety. Make no movement which is contrary to propriety. Okay, so it's it's basically these four 
do no evil, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. Mm. Which is really just like, look, society's already been figured out. Don't think that you're going to reinvent the wheel, buddy. Yeah. Also, um, Zaru is a, it's a negative conjugation. But Saru, which is very similar sounding, is mo- means monkey. So it's it's kind of like okay, yeah, it would make sense that these are monkeys. Um, you have your your hearing monkey who has like a, I kind of want to call it the cone of shame because it looks <laughs> it looks like one of those dog collars, but obviously yeah. it's enhance what enhance what he hears. That's He's the monkey got, that's been licking himself. Yes, and so they had to put a he cone just on had him. surgery. He can't lick the <laughs> stitches, and then. The monkey with the glasses that see no evil. Obviously, the glasses are for he can see, which is funny because usually people who wear glasses, it's because they can't fucking see. And then the um, speak no evil. Oh, the yelling one, the one who can like who bangs on the um, the gong to mm-hmm. alert everyone about your location. And then the do no evil is um, very much like it has like a Buddhist theme to it. So it's kind of interesting that, you know, it's like the do no evil. So like a proper Buddhist would do no evil. Now, another interesting thing that pops up during this fight are the phantom monkeys, which also could be more dead children. Right. It's just like a pack (laughs) of dead children. kids. Oh, I love it. Also, Um, have you ever seen a pack of wild children who have no supervision? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Terrible. Yes, I have. (laughs) Unfortunately, I almost died. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Also, this environment is super cool and pretty and um, just kind of like almost like a little off-putting. It's like, oh, yeah, this is like technically a temple, but also feels a little wrong. And there's different rooms associated with. Um, the monkeys, like specifically the one where it's like see no evil, mm-hmm. um, where you open up the the room and it it lets in a blizzard that darkens the room. Yeah, extinguishes all the candles. Yes. I think. Yeah. I've never had the other monkeys go to other ones. I've only no. Had with that yeah. One. There's a gosh. There's a waterfall one, which I which think is yeah. You'd think the hear hearing one. That's the most annoying one for sure. The hearing one would like. Go like you could corral them into that, and then he can't hear you coming because of the yeah. waterfall. You just end up using the gong to deafen him. It's it's not the best fight mm-hmm. to me. It's you know technically thematically it's great, but I don't personally enjoy doing it. Yeah, it's an aha fight. Like once you when you figure it out, you're like, oh, awesome. Okay, I feel really good about myself. But you kind of only get that magic once. It's not like. Going back to fight Genichiro again and be like, now I know how to do it. And it's like a dance and it's super fun. This time it's like, check this box, check this box, check this box. Okay, we're done. Divine Child, give me that fucking mortal blade. Yeah. Also, the little bell um, that you get that resets and keeps them in their screen because they're they're returned to, to their screen and their souls inhabit the screen. What a great addition. And like you you have to look for it. You have to figure out what you're doing. It drops it into your inventory when you go into the illusory hall. But like what a great mechanic because oftentimes if you're just running around, they can scatter and you can lose track of them and trying to get sight of them without them noticing you first can just be a big, big hassle. But you can always just reset everyone's positions, go from the base again and figure out where you're going. And it, it it's a very generous thing I think they give the the player. Yeah. Oh, also, uh, I wanted to mention the room that you're in 
before you ring that bell with all mm-hmm. of the thousand arm statues. Mm-hmm. Um, that's based on Kanon, which is uh, Guan Yin. If you don't know who Guan Yin is, it's a uh, it's a Buddhist deity, a uh, Bodhisattva. Bodhisattvas, we will talk about Bodhisattvas when we get to the Sunken Valley, but Bodhisattvas okay. are basically like, um, they're like one step away from enlightenment, but they are staying on Earth to help others reach enlightenment. Ah, okay. So these thousand arms Kanon statues are actually based on uh, Sanju Sangendo in, uh, I think it's in Kyoto, but it's it's actually a real stat. It's, it's a real place. Mm-hmm. There used to be a thousand and one of them, but I think there's about 124 originals, and they're they're almost a thousand years old. So, Whoa. yeah, um, so they're they're cool. Um, anyways, uh, there's not too much to the apes. It's just like you're right. It's like the aha sort of moment. But then we defeat them. We get our puppeteer ninjutsu, mm-hmm. and then we're kind of transported to this like really really beautiful setting with the waterfall and the and the inner temple yeah it's like a rice paddy that you that it's located in and that makes sense because the the divine child who we're about to meet offers you rice it's got lotuses on it though i thought it was yeah. just like a pond well i mean but it's like uh, the those shallow ponds are often what you uh grow rice in right yeah so i assume that both lotuses and rice are being grown within this pond possibly it's definitely not rice season <laughs> <laughs> it's not rice season, but I mean, I think it's just one of those, like, when you think of these inner sanctums, it's one of those, it's like a retreat. It's mm-hmm. like tucked away from everything else. So also she, you, the voice that you heard in the beginning with the Buddha scroll telling you about Senpo and how you should like turn back um, is finally talking to you again, saying, uh, like, forgive them. They're just trying to hide me away from everyone. And you finally meet the voice, which is this little girl. I see you serve the divine heir of the dragon's heritage. Why do you seek the mortal blade? She's dressed in these really, really cool, um, like, like I'd almost want to call them like saints robes. Mm. Um, it's, it's, it's definitely like Buddhist robes that remind me of like someone who with a higher position in a sect. And she gives you the mortal blade. Uh, which kills you, and then re- you obviously get back up because you're immortal. Right. That's why you can acquire it where yes. others who have come have failed because as soon as they look at it, they die and they don't have immortality. So they can't wield the blade. Well, also, like, so a small detail about the mortal blade is that it has fountainhead uh, symbol- uh, symbols on it. And uh, it's kind of implied that it came from Fountainhead originally, mm. but obviously it's not up there for a very specific reason. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and you get your first bit of rice, quote unquote rice, quotes around rice. Quote around it? Why quote around it? Well. What's up with the rice? It's not rice season. So what's going on with this rice? Rice symbolically represents like life. Uh-huh. It's a life giving um, and it represents like the blood. It, it's very represent representative like blood and life giving stuff so when she gives it to you if you take too many or like let's say you just like you use it you come back and then you use it you come back she gets sick um and it's implied that it's her blood because the you give her persimmons and it's synonymous with like blood ah persimmons become blood blood becomes rice yes Mm. yes yes 
but it's you know rice is synonymous with like life giving shit because you know it's a staple crop in Japan. So mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's uh, you're essentially taking her blood. Mm. So, but she's not. She doesn't have centipedes, as far as we know. Like she's surrounded by these people who are infested with centipedes, but I assume that she is not infested with centipedes. It's and this is a gross uh, implication, but some people have theorized that the the rice that she gives us is like centipede eggs. Ah, uh, okay. But like holy centipede eggs. Terrifying. I don't know. I don't agree with it. It's gross, but I think it's literally just her her blood converted to rice, which however that happens, but mm-hmm. she does kind of like materialize it out of nowhere. She goes, she kind of like materializes it in her hand and gives it to him. Yeah, I love that little animation. Pouring is very hard to do in like stock animations and uh-huh. they it looks pretty good actually. As yeah. it pours into your hands. Also, Wolf eats the rice raw. He does not cook it. No, he doesn't have time to cook it. What the fuck? You're supposed to cook rice. Yeah, but like it talks about like savoring the taste. And Kudo so I think literally you... goes, looks at Wolf and goes, Wolf, you have to cook this. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it's gross. He literally just crunches down. Dude, there should be like a, a double effect of not only restoring your health, but striking fear into the enemy. Like you literally give the enemy the fear status because you're crunching on raw rice. <laughs> Anyways, that Sempo is just uh, very cursed. I mean, it's beautiful, but it's just one of those things where like the beautiful face hides the ugliness within. So yes. I, oh my ugh. gosh. It it's yes, it it one hundred percent. Like uh, uh, appearances can be deceiving. And as for the divine child herself, like I, I love her design because she is a great uh, visual mirror for Kuro. Yes. Uh, and they support that with a few mechanics. Like you can get rice from her. You can also get, you, it requires you getting rice from her first, but you can also get a rice item from Kuro. The oha- yeah, the Ohagi. Right. And both of them can impart to you the third resurrection node by giving either of them the, what is it, the Sakura droplet? Yes. Uh, that you get from uh, Madam Butterfly. May this Sakura droplet bring you strength. I didn't know you could give it to the divine child. You, you can? can give it to the divine child. I had no fucking clue. Which I loved, uh, what do you call it? Uh, mechanically, it's just a small thing, but just including that dialogue it, it makes them a better mirror for each other because it's not just the game and dialogue telling you that these are t- both divine children. It's making it a reality by having there be mechanics that's mirrored between the both of them. It's similar to in Dark Souls 3, there's a someone you can take on a quest line to become a firekeeper, I think. Yes. And if you finish that quest line, she can actually level you up. There's no purpose to it because... Your firekeeper is in Firelink Shrine. So, you know, walking over to her, it's just a few steps difference. You can level up with either one of them. But like just the fact that you can level up with her mechanically makes them better parallels to each other, which I I just love little, uh, you know, effort being put into storytelling that way. Also, he he gives you some of the rice rice balls he made, and he says, "Give this to the divine child." Oh my god, they which is so they fucking gift cute. Each other, it's yeah. so cute. Yeah, she no, gives it's... you rice, and he's like, "Oh my gosh, a gift for me!" Well, I'm going to make rice balls with this. Please yep. give this as a gift back to her. You know, it's yeah. that reciprocal, above board gift giving. It's very heartwarming. I feel like they'd be great friends. Um, oh yeah, if they met in real life. 
but obviously they never do, which sucks. I yeah. mean, like technically not face to face, but they might meet mind to mind because she slurps up his his uh, soul like a like a smoothie. Yeah, and I think that you know the super happy ending. Uh, you know, whatever happens when they get to where they're going, whether that's Korea or China or whatever. I like to think that because it's all headcanon at that point. I like to think that they they could have a life together, you know, as friends or whatever. That is if Kudo returns or or even worse, if they like have to go together because they're both like, like, you know, when they both return, they basically have to stay there together. Mm, mm. You know, whether they both dematerialize or not, um, because they're both part of the dragon. Uh, and that ending is really cool because she's already living for her dead comrades. Yes. And so her carrying Kuro is like uh, a further, you know, materialization of that theme. And of course, they both have the graying hair, you know, the the yes. curse of the, the divine child. Yes. Okay. Well, that's awesome. This is very satisfying. I think that's all we have to talk about in Sempo. We talked about the NPCs. We talked about the enemies. Uh, any final thoughts on Sempo as a whole? I think that uh, the fact that I think that uh, Ishin uh, basically being disgusted with them at all times is perfect. And the fact that Genichiro is willing to kind of set aside any moral compass just to work with them is also mm-hmm. reprehensible. It definitely like, especially because the entrance to Senpo is right next to the abandoned dungeon. So it makes sense that they're able to work closely together in very similar experiments Mm -hmm. um i think that's bad obviously absolutely yeah they're feeding each other like when one is you know giving uh uh, experiment subjects to the other well they're definitely and they're probably definitely exchanging intel considering Mm. they have that fucking elevator they do they they literally it's super easy there's also the other way to get in there via the headless uh boss fight Oh, yeah, to go the back way and get the, um, that's the bell demon path, right? Yes. Uh, but to get into the rest of it, you need to unlock it from the uh, uh, the other way, yeah. Yes, correct. Okay. Um, also, I th- I always turn on the bell demon. I love, I love the bell demon. It's, it's not, it's inconsequential to use it, and it just adds a little element to, uh, a little, little, it, it's not necessarily a hard mode, but it just adds, like, a little extra spice, still extra spice. Yeah, so. and there's a reward for it. I think you get better item drop. You do. I don't you know do. if you get more sen or if it's just item drop rate. Uh, but yeah, and it only affects regular enemies, I think. So you can have it and fight bosses and the bosses will be the same. Yeah, and we, we didn't mention this, but there are monkeys beyond like the folding tree monkeys. There are monkeys at Senpo Temple um, oh, yes. In one of the offshoot paths. So it yeah. also that's another thing. It's like, oh, it makes sense that they're dead children. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Also, another terrible thing, and this is about the environment. If you go like slightly to the right of the main gate, you will just like see corpses on the ground, implying they're probably kid uh, children's corpses. Oh, they're just tossing them. Yep. No burial because yes. they're like, no, we don't want to be near death. Toss that yep. shit away. Throw it off the yep. side of the mountain. Pretty much, unfortunately. <laughs> I wonder where it will land. Surely not Mibu Village. Yeah. Okay, well, this has been great. Uh, very informative to me. Very entertaining. I'm having a great time doing these. Uh, where are we going to go next, Mimi? We're going to go to the Sunken Valley. Ooh. Okay, so we have been at the bottom of the spiritual 
uh, depths of Ashina. We have seen the dark side of Buddhism here. The So next time we will go down, down, down physically, and we will talk about uh, the, the snake clan, which we've already met, and we will talk about these fucking monkeys. <laughs> All right, well, uh, join us next time when we talk about uh, uh, Sunken Valley. All right, pen, pen, pals. Bless us with bountiful harvest. <laughs>